0: but is very scared of the knife. That's my top tip.
1: Welcome to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show, it is episode 69. I'm Brendan, uh, my usual co-host Alice Bell isn't here this week, but I've got two people to make up for it. John Walker. Hello. And Graham Smith. Hello. Graham Smith, the big man, the editor,
2: the famed, the famed Graham Smith. The elusive Graham Smith, The man just saying-
0: can... He could fire either of us at any moment in this podcast and it would actually be legitimate.
2: We are walking on eggshells here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty pretty sure there's employment laws that mean that you can't just say, you're fired, and make people get out.
0: I refuse to exist in that reality. Uh, How are you both?
2: I am phenomenal. I, I am brilliant. I'm excited to be here.
0: I, meanwhile, am mediocre.
1: That's okay, that's enough. Um, podcast rules dictate that I have to ask some, ha- we have to have some intro bants before
0: we move on to the conversation. Let's pretend that uh, we like each other for one more minute. <laughs> I'm heartbroken. That's awful, John. we do like each other. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: What are we talking about this week? Wargroove. The video game Wargroove is what we're talking about because we've all played it and that's not really a theme as such, like a normal theme, but seeing as we've all played it um, and our review went up, we should talk about it.
2: What is Uh, it, Brendan?
1: Wargroove. You know. Graham, you know what Wargroove is. (laughs) Let's move on. Wargroove is a turn-based tactical throwback to Advance Wars, which is a a little game for the Game Boy in which you control loads of little tiny pixel soldiers on a grid and you have to capture bases and factories and pump out new soldiers. But in in Wargroove, it's that, but you have dragons instead of airplanes. And it's all kind of cartoony little story about
2: fighting evil. And uh, that's mostly it. So it's 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 fantasy advance wars, but not not fantasies, not fantasy advance wars in the way that Fire Emblem is fantasy advance wars. Right. I've never played Fire Emblem, so I Nor don't know me. what the crack is with that. Uh, so Tell us what
0: Fire Emblem is, Graham.
2: <laughs> Fire Emblem is advance wars, but in a fantasy setting. Um, so you've got dragons and shit instead of airplanes, but uh, it's also got smooching between your soldiers, because instead of being little pixel military men, they're little pixel anime princes and peasants and princesses and stuff like that. And they can form relationships based on how you deploy them on the battlefield. So if you play certain units together a lot on the battlefield, they will develop affinities which affect their like crit bonuses you get from using them side by side on the battlefield, but also in in the narrative, they can fall in love and I think have kids, which you can use as child soldiers, or <laughs> maybe I'm imagining that part. Um, maybe that was my fanfic.
1: Just uh, going off the topic a bit. You're gonna have to fire yourself, Graham, because you've you've done the first swear word of the pod. I have. As God, that's my rule as well. Um, so Wargroove has none of that it has none of the romance stuff Um, it's just it's a more clean transposition of advanced wars
0: would you say to the point I think it's it's much more characterful that they give you know your, your commanders and stuff are given loads of personality and your units are people rather than machines for the most part you, you like them so much that you don't like sending them into battle. It's horrible! You have these lovely little soldiers, they have all these hilarious little chats in between the missions, and then you you're, you have to use them as human shields, and just lose... Oh, he's just fodder, I may as well get him killed this turn in order that I can do this and this, you think to yourself. And then you go, no! It's the person! He was so cute! There's loads you of don't... them, John, you can just make another one. What were you going to say, Graham?
2: <laughs> I was going to say, they don't have names or anything like that I was going to say the same thing as Brendan You just churn them out from the barracks They don't, they don't like... matter Faceless little
0: soldiers Now I don't even like dogs And I really struggle when the puppies get attacked
1: The yeah, puppies but... are good though They just run away whenever they get defeated in battle Everybody I'm fooled else... by that <laughs> Everybody else when you defeat them in battle It gives you that little um, animation Of the two different things you're fighting Or you're pitching in battle fighting each other really briefly. Really good for an hour and a half each
0: flipping time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like five seconds of animation time. Uh and when when everything dies they always turn into like a kind of like ghost or they like they basically evaporate. But uh the dogs don't they just they just run away. Because I'm guessing they tested it and lots of people said, Why do I have to kill the dogs?
0: <laughs> they do undermine that by then having the green little green monster creatures being the same and they also run away. I'm like, they shouldn't run away. They should be dead.
2: Why not? What do you have against green monster creatures? They're monsters. They're dogs. <laughs> They're just a different type of alien dog. When when the dogs run away, what what happens to them on the actual battlefield? Because like normally, when you cut back from that battle and you've lost a unit... It, You know, there's a, this little sprite animation of it turning into a ghost and it vanishes it, from the battlefield. What did the dogs it, do? It, it, it still does that for the dogs, I believe. <laughs> okay. So if you look closely enough, you do understand that they are dead. <clears throat> there's a little dog ghost.
0: <laughs> there's a little animation of them running away to a farm, but actually that's just a lie the game mum is telling you.
1: Did you both like it, is the important question. Do you both like Wargroove?
0: Ask us in turn with our names,
1: John. Hello. Do you both like? Warcraft? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did.
0: Um, I did. I do like it. I don't love it, but I do like it, and I played it a lot. And um, I found myself sort of my struggle with it. And what I'm not a strategy person, obviously. Um, and so, but Advanced Wars is my secret strategy shame. I played a lot of it on the GBA and on the DS. And um, I enjoyed it. And I, what I think I liked about most about it is it didn't ask me to be perfect. It was sort of like, if you can muddle your way through, that was good enough. Um, but so with this, I li- it does the same. And I like that. I don't need to be perfect. It's a little bit much like it's a bit like a teacher saying, well, technically, I have to pass you. But um, I'm going to write these big, angry letters all over your work. <laughs> um, so you could sort of get condemned. But then I got to hit the difficulty wall. I hit the levels where... I didn't understand what I wasn't doing right anymore, and the game had no interest at all in, in telling me. And it seemed to just be able, the enemy just seemed to be able to spawn in as often as it likes breaking all the rules. And, and it, so I had reached a point where I couldn't beat it, so I just had to turn the difficulty down. But it's not levels. It doesn't, you can't choose between hard, medium. They haven't, but basically, what they haven't done is balanced it for different difficulty levels. They've balanced it for one, which they've left too hard, I would argue. And then everything else is your personal tweak. And then the game sort of, you don't know if that's good or bad. Now you've won I win a level really easily. Is that because I was brilliant or because I had the difficulty too low? And I just, yeah. And I found that I found that's become increasingly a bother. as like The more I've played is I'm constantly worrying that I've got the difficulty at the wrong level to be having yeah. the right amount of fun.
1: Yeah, so to explain this, there are a couple of difficulty meters in the options and they let you reduce the amount of damage your units take or give yourself more money or there's another one i forget what it does
0: i think you get your groove back more quickly yeah
1: that's it you get to use your commander's special move more more often um and you can tweak with them as much as you want and you basically it's set it's balanced the game yourself basically which yeah it feels a bit mm, i don't know
2: I think I would feel the same anxiety as John did in that situation of, am I winning just because it's too easy? Have I, have I, have I broken this game? How am I supposed to be playing it?
0: Because yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting through levels and it's giving me an A grade, but only one star because I've tweaked the difficulty down to, say, 90%, 80%. The, I mean, the enemy damage down to about 80% or whatever. So it's, but is the A, does the A mean I did really well anyway, or is it just patronising me at that point?
1: I don't understand. Maybe there was a technical limitation or something, or they didn't want to do it this way. But what would what be what would be wrong with having a quick save function, and then an Iron Man mode? It just I don't know.
2: I do yeah, wish it so... had quick save. That's the biggest thing for me because cause you mentioned this in your review. But some of the battles get pretty damn long, and I I suspect I haven't played as much of it as you have. I've I've well obviously not as much as you, Brendan, but. I got to the fifth or sixth mission, the first time you fight Volder, who's like pitched, at least in that stage of the game, as being the big bad or one of the big bads. Um, And it was like a 12 or 13 turn mission. During the first 10 turns, I was winning comfortably. And then I did something stupid with my commander and got them trapped, surrounded by enemy units. And then they just couldn't, I couldn't run away because there were enemy units in my way. And so every turn I was just getting attacked by, like, four or five different enemy units on this on my commander. And if the commander dies, that's game over. And so I had ten turns of this mission, which was easy, and then two or three turns of this mission, which was literally impossible, and then it was game over. And it took about 25 minutes, and it's like, well, I know how to beat this mission, but I don't really want to spend 25 minutes doing it again just because I made one stupid mistake.
0: How do you get around this is the, i I hate the term safe scumming and most of the time it's just it's just people with tiny egos um uh wanting to show off but <laughs> uh, it, how do you prevent that becoming a safe this becoming a safe scummy thing where you just keep playing the same turn over and over to the ghost the way you want
2: well I don't I mean like you I don't really care if people did do that if they're having fun then I mean that feels less like a game a game breaking thing than being able to tweak all the damage values does to me and yeah. it's not there's not there's not it's not like random dice rolls really determining how much uh damage you're going to take so it's not like you're just safe scumming until the roll of the dice favors you on any given turn or anything like that it would just be oh no, no! I I made a series of tactical errors in how I moved my units about so I want to go back to midway through the mission and move them about in a different way and if it's then successful the second time around then that still feels like a measure of your own skill that would still feel satisfying to me Um, I don't know yeah, what my what, 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 what my robust fix for it would be but there are games like Into the Breach for example which has a, like a sliding scale of rewinds and stuff like that that you can deploy in order to In order to take back previous turns, and there's definitely times when I just want to do that. I just want to undo my last move.
0: Yes, that I really wish. I wish. I I feel like if the game had a maybe let you do it twice in a battle or something like that, that would seem a really decent addition. Especially when you can so easily because the left and right clicks are all over the place. It's it's not quite. It's not very well designed where you left click and when you right click. And I've accidentally sent units off to the wrong direction, and there's nothing you can do about that at that point.
1: Yeah, I feel like um, if people, if someone said you can't put quick save in this game because it would lead to save scumming, I mean, like, it doesn't have to, you as a player don't yeah. have to do that, so if you give people the choice to, to use it either liberally or, you know, once in a while, then just let them do it. Like, every chess app out there has an undo button, you know, <laughs> it's... There are loads of solutions that it could have been given and it, it, it hasn't been given, uh, which I think is odd.
2: You said, John, that the game doesn't seem concerned in teaching you what you're doing wrong and it does have, you can right click on any tile in any unit and you get the screen of information about it and like, yeah. part of that information is what things are that unit good against and what things are that unit bad against. Um, And I just think that stuff's really badly presented because it's just a a long list of 12 little character portraits, each one of which is about six pixel high.
0: Yeah, they're not portraits that you encounter in the game. They don't match the the actual characters in the game well at all.
1: No, they're just the heads of the the sprites that you normally see on the map. So you have to right click and then on right click and look around the map (laughs) and see. Does this ha- Does this little man with a hat, does he have a feather normally? Or is that a knight or a pikeman? Uh-huh. What is
2: this? I just want um, to... Why can't I mouse over those little symbols and have it pop up a little text tooltip that tells me the name of the unit it's referring to? I can't make yeah. it out half the time what the heck those things are. And so it's just... Well, that's just a big... Just the screen to me. Yeah. It feels like there's a whole load of things. It feels like they just needed a wider
1: pool of testers, maybe. Like some some chumps like us to say we don't understand the, <laughs> we don't understand the little pictures
2: please help It's weird, it's also so polished in other ways like I really love the way it looks and I love all the little sprite animations both on the battlefield and in the little pop-up fights and in the cutscenes in between I love the the swoopy swishy menu elements that shoot in when you complete a mission, I, I like. I think Chucklefish are really great
0: at that stuff in all of the games they make yeah Uh, i agree i just think the one the one thing that would change the whole game for me would be a single click to skip an animation especially so when uh when it's the enemy's turn and they're taking over bases and you have to sit through that what six seven second animation of nothing happening every time or just a battle that's inevitable when you see i'm going to click this unit on that guy and they're going to die because they've got one percent health left and i've got i'm fine So there's not going to be a challenge here. It's not going to be a surprise. But instead, you have to hold down right click for three full seconds before you can skip, which is just arduous. And I know three seconds doesn't sound much, but when you're having you know a dozen of these in a row, it's uh,
2: yeah. It is. It is weird to have like a seven second animation to provide a feature for people who are impatient or just sick of seeing that animation but still make them wait a little bit yeah don't make it too, yeah. don't make it too good for them make them make them make them watch still yeah. half of the animation every single time if it's whole... a vanity
0: thing let it work the first few times you have to sit through it so you watch their hard work but then after you've done that and you've appreciated it properly you can skip it
1: now the whole hold button to get rid of things or to skip things has come from people I'm guessing from people complaining that they've accidentally pressed a button and they skip a thing that they really wanted to watch. That is fine for things like uh, like a cinematic maybe yeah, yeah. or other things in, a, in different games. I would argue, yeah, a hold button does make sense. But now I feel like we're seeing so many games doing the hold button to do things where you don't, like, don't worry. If I press it by accident <laughs> once during this entire game, I'll just kick myself and get on with it. It's not that big a deal. And with something as common, like something as routine as the battle animations in this game that happen like dozens of times, you'll see these animations hundreds and hundreds of times over the course of playing this game. Like, yeah, don't make you hold the button. It makes no sense.
0: And I can hear I can hear someone yelling at their, their podcast app. It's probably the Andrew or someone like him <laughs> yelling <laughs> that, uh, but you can turn the animations off and you can, yeah. but then the battles are completely meaningless madness because you can't really see which enemy unit is about to attack which of your units and the only thing that happens is a tiny tiny number flashes up for about a second and you can't it's not possible to know what's going on so there isn't yeah. a good middle ground yet
1: I um I cuz I read um the Kotaku review that they posted as well said that oh you know pro tip you should turn off the battle animations um and I tried it and I just, it just lost all, uh like, I did lose a sense of what was going on in mm-hmm. the battlefield. Like, I did, it didn't help me. It was harder to parse what was important on the battlefield and what was threatened. Because I wasn't, I just wasn't keeping as good a track of it. But a simple click to skip would just let you both keep track of the important things and skip the things that are
0: trivial. It feels stupid. Yep. So I've reached this level. I've got it. I've loaded it up in front of me Um, called, hang on, let me go to overview. It's called Commune with Merciful's Ghost. (sighs) I can't do it. And so that's the end of the game. (laughs) I mean, I could turn the difficulty down to nothing and just scum through that way. But it's this horrible level where you you have five units, you can't gain any more, and the enemy spawns about eight in each round and uh, each bridge you have to cross. And I th- finally thought I'd finished it, and then went, ha no, there's another round with your barely alive units, will all have to obviously die in. Yeah. That seems the most, I mean, obviously I haven't got any further than that, but that, that seems the most egregious level so far, The dust doesn't seem to have been well thought through. And it's nice that they're trying to mix it up, it's not just Advance Wars left and right of the screen but at the same time i don't it just this is the arc, this is the exact example of a level where you have to be playing it for 45 minutes before you can die and then have to start again
1: yeah that level is um that level didn't ha- i was i was easier on that level because i had already put the damage down so it was it went a little easier on me um but uh i definitely thought like at the because th- you get to the third area and you think, oh, this is done, and then more pop in, like you said. And I just, I just, I just knew John is gonna
2: hate this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I, I'd say, I'd say you should um, scum through it, and then because some of the le- the levels after that are quite fun. Okay. They introduce like new troops and stuff like that, and. uh yeah it does get it does this is the thing it's really ups and downs some of the side missions are really tough and like the one with you're in a castle and you're being surrounded by bandits and you're playing as the dog commander who has to have all his woofs translated by the two men the two crossbow men who like stand on either side of him as if he's lassie and uh the, all the people just come and surround you, and that level is just so so tough. And yeah, then I everything either. to either side of it is fine. So there's just these spikes, these weird spikes that they haven't like ironed out.
0: I wonder how hard it is. I wonder how hard it is for a game, for a developer to iron out difficulty spikes when they release into the gruesomely toxic, get uh, good community of Steam. I want when everyone is just going, ah, oh, this game isn't hard enough for me. Look at my tiny penis on the desk. I'm finding this so easy. Um and how do you balance in that environment? Graham. How do you balance in that environment?
2: <laughs> uh I think I think this is a genuine problem is trying to separate out signal from noise in terms of feedback. Um but I mean, they should have brought more people into the Chucklefish offices before the game came out and tested it that way. So, like if they're gonna not if they're gonna launch it not in early access, but straight into release, then it feels like doing more testing beforehand would have discovered these issues. Like, I don't think we're gonna be alone in this. And I, I and also I think like there will be the tiny penis men with, with their <laughs> tiny penises on the desk shouting on Steam or whatever but there's going to be a lot of people I think also saying hey, check this bullshit <laughs> this, this mission is ridiculously difficult compared to the ones on either side of it I don't think that's going to be an uncommon opinion um, we've spent a lot of time saying that we like this game and then just picking it apart in a that's way that makes it, makes it really sad <laughs> like we disliked it quite seriously Um Brendan, what are its satisfactions? What, uh, what what do you like about it? I basically love that it is more Advanced
1: Wars. It doesn't go too far away from what Advance Wars is, and I love painting maps my color, and capturing things in little like piecemeal ways, and uh, it just does that really really well. And I like the little like side characters who pop up every now and again and tell. Uh, and are and, just like little comic relief kind of things. They're not like too, they're not like hugely laugh out loud funny, but they do like make you smile and they, they get you invested in kind of what's going on, even though it's a very generic fantasy story in them, in mostly. Um, but yeah, it's just more advanced wars. And I feel like, how can you complain too much about more advanced wars? It, the things that we're complaining about, we're complaining about because they seem like issues that have been solved in almost... In, in so many other games. So it feels strange that they've made those errors. Um and if they hadn't made those errors it would have just been a, a very just a great game. Like a great Advance Wars follow up or, you know, successor. But as it stands, it's like a it's just a good Advance Wars successor. I don't know. <laughs> um which is a dumb thing to complain about because I would still say to anyone who liked Advance Force? Yeah, obviously buy this game. Don't worry too much about turning the damage down. Just accept you're not going to get three stars on some of these levels if you're not having a if if you're not having a good time. At, when you lose a game after forty five minutes, it's fine. Like the the stars thing, whatever. It's annoying, but it's it's just it's just a badge. <laughs> Forget about it. Uh because the game itself is is more of what you like.
0: I found it. It's it's also. It's one of those rare games where you can just you can just muddle through and and it's gentle and you're not being rushed there's not a sense of imposing horror all the time it's just it's quite fun and happy and and uh upbeat in the same way that Advance Wars was um bearing in mind it's subject matter of two armies trying to slaughter each other yeah um it's it's an impressive thing to be able to achieve and I think um It was uh, that that was uh, underrecognized in Advance Wars, and and it could be again here. Um, It's a nice. It's also a a game you can play while you're watching telly at the same time. I love games like that where you're fully engrossed in the game, but it also leaves enough room for your brain to be doing something else. John, this is why you're
1: failing all your missions, sitting watching British Bake Off or whatever, (laughs) not paying attention
0: on your pops. You don't watch something good. Oh my goodness! Can I tell you what? Shall I confess what I've been watching while I play Advance Wars? Go on, Shark Tank. Weird, what's that? It's the American version of Dragon's Den. Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Where
0: everything is multiplied by a factor of a thousand, so they're billionaires, not millionaires, and everyone's asking for a million dollars and it's it's bonkers. But you don't need to pay attention to it, it can just be bumbling away in the background while you get on with the game. That's my that's my ideal gaming situation that now I'm an old man.
2: I've been watching the Great Interior Design Challenge on <laughs> Netflix <laughs> for similar reasons, where a bunch of amateur interior designers go into other people's houses and paint all the walls purple, and um, the interior design experts come in and go, Oh, it, it is bold, isn't it? Um. <laughs>
1: wow. I have, to, I have to be fully immersed in my, in my war. I can't watch any of this. Uh Graham, are you gonna continue playing it or are you gonna are you gonna just set it to one side now that you've done this podcast?
2: <laughs> uh, I think I will keep playing it, actually. Like I liked Advance Wars back in the day and I agree with the things both of you have just said. It does feel like a a relaxing and satisfying game. Like I really loved Into the Breach last year, and I think Into the Breach is a, a better game, but it's it's about the tightness of those little battlefields and only having three units and making s- smart decisions every single time. And at least at the stage of the game I'm at at the moment, I like that Wargroove is a game about getting more horsey men than <laughs> your opponent and sending your archers to go f- up these people over there and just pop more the units. the swearing! Ah. <laughs> I can't believe you instituted this rule. <laughs>
1: No swearing, and now you come on. You've been the greatest offender in weeks. Because
0: <laughs> we've been effing and blinding our way through this podcast all this time.
2: I I am out of practice at not swearing. <laughs> you, you, can, you can beep these out. It's fine.
1: Um. Uh, In one of the things that Wargroove does is you get to fight as your little commander on the field, like you said, and uh you your commander gets that little special move, Uh so what i'm gonna ask you guys now to keep in theme with what i've asked our readers and listeners what would your cartoon anime superpower on the battlefield be graham
2: saying really loudly (laughs) (laughs) riling up everyone around me by offending them
0: no one would swear in war group that's really clear not even the not even the baddies would say, I swear.
1: <laughs> um, John, what would your war groove be?
0: I think I'd just encourage the enemies all just to have a nap. And they'd all snooze for one turn and I could whack their heads off while they're snoozing. Nice.
1: Very gentle and violent at yeah, the same exactly. time. Mine would be to put um, those tiny little flags in everyone's guns that that pop out and say <laughs> bang on them.
0: No one has guns in this game. There ah. are no the guns in this game. Ah, that's the slight flaw in your otherwise brilliant plan. Tiny little flags on everyone's arrows.
1: <laughs> 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 they still stab people, but they have a little bang that comes along with. They it. say <laughs> thwang-ang-ang-ang-ang, written on them. Um, cool War groove. Uh, I would recommend it. It's like sixteen quid as well. So, wow. you know why not?
0: I'd also um, say, like, I couldn't get on with Into the Breach. I found it was way too, like Graham said, you had to be incredibly careful with every decision. And I am, um, I'm proud to say, an idiot. And <laughs> so that kind of game, I, I, I really struggled with it. I didn't get anywhere with it. So people who, who also bounced off that for fear of being too tactical and strategic, um, Wargroove is not. And it's, it's, much, more, it's much more embracing of, of us idiots.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think we should move on. I think we should move on. Wargroove over there in the other place. Uh, and we should talk about some other things we've been playing.
0: I can go next because I've just finished playing Subnautica Below Zero. Ooh.
1: I'm saying, oh, like I'm surprised. I know you've been doing that. Do you want to hear all about it?
2: Uh, Graham, do you want to hear all about it? I want to know if the penguins
0: are really cute. They are ridiculously cute. Although there does seem to be a fantastic bug where the little ones appear to stand on a single spike, <laughs> which they can't quite balance on, and the physics don't quite work for at the moment, which is very amusing.
2: Why? Why are they Why are these standing on spikes can, at all? I think it
0: has to be a bug. I think it's got like its tail is pointing down. I don't know what's going on. I think it's an animation bug, but it's very entertaining. And then the grown-up ones just look amazing. They're such a... I think they are a, such a brilliant piece of design and they really show how um, uh, unknown worlds are so clever because they've taken a—they've taken the idea of a penguin and then said, okay, let's create a creature that's, that is in the same shape, but is completely, wildly, madly different. Its beak is the top of its head and it opens up in a sort of gruesome alien-like way. But it's still impeccably cute. It's part pelican. It's, it's just it's such a brilliant piece of design. When you look at it and you realize, oh, they took the shape and it's so immediately obviously a penguin, despite being ludicrously different from one. And I think it's really emblematic of how smart those guys are in how they design things. Do the penguins sometimes fall down by accident? They do with well, the baby. Like I say, the baby ones can't stand up properly, and they do fall off the ice sometimes due to this, what I can only assume is an animation error. And like penguins, I think they're called preng, ple, prengrins. Oh, I can't remember the called in the game, but like penguins, they are very graceful underwater and look silly on the ice, which is which is splendid. What, what else does this expansion add? Mate? So it's a whole new. It's a store. It's a whole new game. It's more. It feels like more like a sequel or expand alone than an expansion um it's set a year later you play um uh what's her name robin Goodall. and you are uh, your sister is up on the spaceship uh, some sort of space station orbiting above the planet same planet as last time a year later but now you're in a sort of polar arctic type place um and you have bants with your sister which are actually really really good uh, could have been a disaster but they're brilliant the story isn't particularly exciting um, there's a big, there's a, the thing that happens in the current version is too big of the, a moment to give away um, but it once again has to do with the ancient alien race from the last game, and the, but most, the, most of the entertainment comes from you, you, you winding up your sister, she's being constantly observed by the evil corporation uh, monitoring everything she says and you on the ground don't care about that so are constantly trying to get her in trouble and it's quite funny, <laughs> and it's, yeah. But otherwise, you're it. It's very much the same. You begin on. You begin on uh, in a big fancy sp- sp- space, a uh, big fancy base, research base that quickly gets destroyed by an avalanche, and you're back under the uh, under the water in a in a rescue pod that your sister drops. Starting again, having to scan everything and build up from the start, which is too similar to last time. There are new. There's loads of new creatures and some of the old ones. Um, and it doesn't do anything strikingly brilliantly new, which is a shame. But at the same time, it is more subnautica in a different place with new things to scan. And that turns out to be enough. Yeah, it's a, it's just a it's a, that same pleasure of um, of just building up from nothing to create, you know, by the end of the this, I call it a demo. It's not it's the earliest version of the alpha, of the uh, uh, early out um and you by the end of it you can start building bases and all that stuff so you can get to that point um at the end but this is much more focused on taking you through a little bit of narrative this time i really
1: like that um they seem to have kept the their how good they are at making alien creatures be both frightening and friendly at the same time yes like the the stalkers in the in subnautica are the these kind of things that they look like a crocodile in every aspect because they have like the body of a fish and the like the mouth of a crocodile and they just hang around in those horrible weedy kelp forests and uh they're really intimidating at the start of the game but then you realize you can basically play a fetch with them with bits of metal and they love it they have so much fun with you and they become like they're almost like dog-like. Like you just play a fetch <laughs> with them all the time, and you just get to know them. And they're not fearsome or scary at all. They're just like uh, they're just like a, a fun-loving animal that likes to eat things. Um, and what you said about the penguin really reminds me of that. Yeah. like it, it's alien and grotesque, and at the same time, you like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do the same here. There's a. If you look at my review, uh, the last screenshot is this picture of this. Awful looking crab thing. Um, and it's called a stone thumper or a rock puncher or something like that. Um, and it looks terrifying and it's completely innocuous. And you're, you can run up, swim up to it and say hi and it doesn't hurt you, which is nice. And then there's a new shark type, which is instantly terrifying and gruesome and, and is horrible and bites you really, really hard. <laughs> but it's very scared of the knife. That's my top tip. Give it a whack. Mm. It's essentially the bop on the nose effect. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, did you ever play Subnautica,
2: Graham? Yeah, just for like four or five hours though. So I was always pretty early on in that first area, I guess, in the base game. I really liked it though.
0: In the shallows, <laughs> I so so that's what's missing here is that do you know that what was so great about the opening of, of Subnautica was that vast, sh- uh, bare mothic ship on the, on the water near you. It was just this big thing you wanted to understand, but you couldn't get inside it until you had this suit, and so you had this big incentive to uh, to gather the equipment and to, to great and to keep upgrading and un- and crafting more till you could get there. Plus, the narrative gave this impression that it was about to explode, so you had to rush to get there as well. Um, and so, yeah, it lacks that. It lacks this big incentive. It' a little bit resting on its own laurels of. Remember, you're remembering why you enjoyed it last time, so you'll just do it this time. Yeah, uh, I think it's definitely that's definitely the 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 real significant thing that's lacking is that big unknown. Um,
2: Graham, what have you been playing? Have you been playing anything? Just Advance Force? or just War <laughs> Uh i I've, I guess I've not been playing anything else. I can really talk about on a PC games podcast.
0: Oh no! What have you been playing, Graham? Tell us. Traitor.
2: Uh, I've been playing M- Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle on the Switch, which is, which is basically a PC game. I mean, it's a turn-based strategy game, clearly inspired by XCOM. And it's so, got Mario in it. And, and Rabbids. You
1: know, I'm sorry, I, we can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to bleep out the word Mario.
2: <laughs> um, you would like it, John.
0: I've got a copy of it I've somehow yet to ever play. I meant to play it on a plane journey last year and then never got round to it.
2: It's, I mean, it's it's turn-based strategy, but yeah. it's, it's not difficult at all. It's very concerned with you just as the player making forward progress at all times. Um, and it like, strings together these battles as part of an overworld map that Mario and the Rabbids are moving their way through. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, it's, a, I mean, it's made by Ubisoft, but it's got Nintendo's design ethos all over it and it wants you to complete it. Um, I think there's like end game challenge mode stuff that you can do, but really it's like a, almost like a linear narrative game that wants you to get to the end of it. And so hmm. none of the battles are particularly challenging. And it, I mean, as someone who plays XCOM, it feels so liberating and, Joyous to <laughs> to play something like Exile, which I I love, especially Enemy Unknown, and just you know get you know people dying or these soldiers dying all the time that you've invested <laughs> time in and become attached to and given names and stuff like that, and and grinding your way across these grubby battlefield warehouses against aliens that are enslaving humanity and all this sort of stuff, and then just you you know you're playing with Mario and a rabid dressed up as Princess Peach, and you get this ability, which is like, it's like a punt where any character can run to the location of any other character on your team. And then that character can give you a boost into the air, so you can leap from one side of the map to the other. Um, and that sort of movement... Is just really liberating and really fun when you're used to just hiding behind low cover, getting shot at by, by sectoids for hours and hours and hours.
0: Can you get Mario killed?
2: They, 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 actually, I don't think it's happened at any point to know. I think, I think what happens is they just become like, um, dazed and then everyone gets all their health back at the end of every level. So there's no permadeath for characters or anything like that. They just become dazed, I think, and sit out the rest of that battle and then they get restored to full health when it's done. Anything more to say about Rabbids before we move on? No, that's all I've got to say about Rabbids.
1: Rabbids. I've been playing Resident Evil 2 or the remake Biohazard RE2 as it's called on Steam. It's pretty good. It's pretty scary. Uh there's a giant man and he follows you around. He's got a hat and he a very pale face.
2: They added the hat for the remake, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah. Uh now that you mentioned that, yeah, I hadn't noticed that before. But yeah, now now that I think back on RE2, it didn't
2: have he didn't
1: have a hat before.
2: Yeah, that's weird. I think that was the that's the only change in the remake, isn't it? It's otherwise identical to the, to the 1988 original. It is, and uh, it. You know what? It still works.
1: Um, it looks. It, it hasn't dated at all in terms of its graphics. In many respects, it was so far ahead of its time.
0: So okay, I have questions because I don't know much about Resident Evil. I played yes. the original Resident Evil a bit, and it was. Fixed cameras, am I right? Yes, you were lo- almost right. like you were looking through security cameras. Was Resident Evil 2 like that, or was it first person? It person? was fixed cameras as well. But this isn't,
1: is that right? This is not. This is like, if any, if you've played Resident Evil 4, which is the over-the-shoulder um, view, third-person view of you being able to point your guns at people and move that around, uh, this is that, basically. Uh, and it's it works. It works really well. The thing that's brilliant is that because they because the old game is is a good skeleton to on which to map the the police station that you're in the police station becomes this really incredible place to navigate and to make your way around and through locked doors and stuff. There are so many different routes to get from A to B, uh, and as you explore the police station and kill the zombies and board up windows and do all your normal puzzle solving stuff you unlock more of those areas and it gets to the point where you can basically you can almost run around the police station freely like you have different routes to get from say the library to the reception room or from the reception room to say the attic from the attic to the police office um and you've got all these different ways and you you get really proud of yourself cuz you boarded up windows you you've done it all and because Resi 2 has imposed this it's an old plan of the building on it it works as a space really really well and then you meet the tyrant who's the big man in, in the hat and uh or we called him Trenchcoat when i was young i don't know if that like is official name we just called him Trenchcoat cuz that's what he wore and he comes at you and you go oh no and you have to, you basically understand why you've been given this rat me to run around in. <laughs> and it's just to get away from him. Because he kind of chases you everywhere you go. And you know the alien and alien isolation, the way it will be creeping around and you kind of can hide from it. And you can feel safe in a locker and stuff like that. And it won't really find you if you just stay in one place. Mm-hmm. That is not true for Mr. Trenchcoat. He will find you. <laughs> like if you just stay still he'll find you and you have to just keep constantly on the move looking at your map figuring out okay well i should take the the east wing stairs because the west wing stairs are overlooking that bit and i know there's two other monsters in that room so i don't want to go through that room so you have to it becomes this game of like cat and mice and uh it's just really it's just really scary and it lasts so so long because you're trying to f- do what you were doing before figuring out puzzles getting the right keys to places getting the right objects that you need to get unlocked the, the next area but now you're doing it with this horrible man and his footsteps like thudding along throughout the police station letting you know kind of where he is and, and he's just after you for so long it must be like it must have been like 45 minutes or something of him chasing me and it only lasted that short for me because I had to look up what I was doing, what I had to do next, because it was stressing me out so much. <laughs> I actually had to go to a guides and like and see oh, how do I get this man to leave me alone. And it was telling me, OK, you need to do X and Y and then he'll leave you alone after that scripted moment. And I was like, OK. <laughs> so I figured out the fastest way to do that because he was really, really,
2: really freaking me out. You can play through the game as different characters, though, or parts of the game as different characters, can't you?
1: Yeah, you can play. Uh, the two choices that you get from the beginning are Claire and Leon, and this is the same as the the 1998 version. Is you get these two characters. The game was mostly the same for them, except for some routes or some different things. You you went some different routes and you met some different people in one game you were kind of annoyed by william Barkin, who's a a different monster and in the, the other game you were or the other person was annoyed by uh mr x the trench coat guy um, i got the impression
0: th- that the consequences of the first playthrough there were consequences on the second playthrough from the actions in the first or something like that
1: if that's true of the remake i don't know yet cuz okay. i've only i've only i've only played through um I've only about halfway through. I'm guessing with Leon. So and the other character Claire is. Uh, I haven't played any with her yet. So okay. I'm, I'm interested to see what changes because I remember it being them being subtle changes, but still quite interesting in the first
2: one. We we asked Matt to review the game for us because he's a young and he came to it with no real preconceptions and no rose-tinted glasses for the for the series, or for Resi 2 in, in particular. And he enjoyed the game in the end, he thought it was good, but he had a bunch of frustrations with it, with the constraints it puts on you as the player and with some of its puzzle design and that sort of stuff, um, which he thought might be archaic, but he just thought it was bad. Um, is there is there stuff like that in the game for you like puzzles that maybe you found acceptable in 1998 that you struggle with now or or is it do you, is... do you think it was great then and it's great now or
1: i don't know the the thing is that i can totally understand why matt has those frustrations i know the answers to all the puzzles because i remember <laughs> them and i feel like if i didn't remember them i would get a cog or a a scepter with a jewel in it and I wouldn't know what the hell this was for I wouldn't know why I've been given it and the the clues that they give you even in this remake aren't always very clear and I think one of the things that Matt uh, that they didn't make that clear and Matt didn't pick up on was that you can examine any object in your inventory and like look around like turn it around in your hands and like sometimes it'll give you a little button to press or a little uh, uh, you can open a box or whatever and that stuff I don't think is very clearly it's not super clearly told to you very early on and even when it is it's very easy to forget that you can look at a thing and change it from from a scepter to a crystal it's just uh it it is archaic but the remake for me it's fine because the remake is archaic in a way that's immediately recognizable to anyone who's played the game in 1998 um like to the point where i knew i looked at a hole in a wall next to a, a shutter And I heard a helicopter crashing and my brain just like said the word crank to me. And I was like, oh, a crank. Right. Yeah. (laughs) There's something. A crank is useful here for something. (laughs) And I just knew that that's what that's what it would be. And if if you're Matt in this same hallway with the same crashed helicopter and the same shutter and the same hole in the wall, I could absolutely forgive him for for the only word be in his brain being what? (laughs) (laughs) like uh it's it's definitely it's definitely relying a little too much on the puzzles are definitely relying on you having played the original but i think the horror redeems it i did it redeemed it for matt from what i read
2: yeah yeah he did he did enjoy it in Mm -hmm. the end it was it was the first the first day of him playing it was a lot of swearing in the office before he <laughs> came around to
0: it. He was writing notes on the CMS, and I had a sneaky peek at them, and they were most entertaining.
1: <laughs> it is um, uh, It was fun to read his um, his uh, thoughts as well. Whenever he said, because I like glanced through them, and he said uh, the story is basically schlach. And I was like, instinctively I went, like I was beginning to say, how dare he say the story (laughs) of Resident Evil 2? And then I thought, and I'm like, yeah, actually it's complete nonsense. It's rubbish. (laughs) And even that it's told somehow it's told worse in this one, in the remake, because it's, it again, expects you to know what's going on, but then simultaneously tries to fill you in if you don't. So all of the exposition is just like halfway through the game when you're moving from the police station to this other place and another character tells leon oh i'm hunting down umbrella corporation they've made a virus that turns people into zombies and i felt like saying yeah i like it's <laughs> I mean, town is full of zombies and there's this corporation's logo everywhere i got it <laughs> like i mean even if you're a player who's never played resident evil 2 like that you drop this line here of all places makes no sense. Um and there's a lot of stuff like that where the story is just kind of again, they're just relying on you having played the first ones too much. Uh they've not they've modernized it in a lot of ways playing wise, but storytelling wise it's just it's just you know Resident Evil too, so why we're not gonna bother putting too much effort into this.
0: I have a good tip for people who are being frustrated by bad stories what you should do is watch marvel's runaways on the television and then after that even the worst story you've ever played will seem like a masterpiece <laughs> why why isn't why isn't the tv show good the comics are good it's so it's 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 under the dome levels of terrible um, <laughs> no one, no,
2: right, I know what that means
0: Because we've talked <laughs> about Under the Dome yeah. And no one
2: else listening to that Under the Dome is doesn't. a really
0: good Stephen King book That was made into one of the worst television <laughs> programs Ever made That for some reason it got, No one watched it in America But it had brilliant overseas sales So they kept re- making more seasons They made three seasons of this um, My best theory for both Under the Dome And Marvel's Runaways Is that the shows are written, and what happens is the writer of an episode gets to watch the previously fr- on previously on from the last one, and then has to guess everything else <laughs> and make the episode <laughs> up based on that.
1: It's like that game you play where you make where you draw three parts of the body. Isn't yeah, it's, it? consequence. it's, has it's, to pass- it's consequences. consequences. Yeah,
0: consequences as a TV show. It's um, the characters' motivations and person entire personalities change or flip back and forth between episodes. There's no; it doesn't make a lick of sense at any point. It's just fantastically terrible um i've watched 25 episodes of it <laughs> that's a shame yeah it's a shame it's not it's but it helpful because it just makes you appreciate the beauty of everything else
2: <laughs> brendan if someone was to want to get into playing resident evil games should they play this or should they play resident evil 7 which was the most recent one. Mm,
1: I don't know. I didn't play that much of 7 um, because it frightened me too much. And <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd probably play Resident Evil 4. Okay, that's if, interesting. If you could. I mean, because that's the one that kind of reinvented it or like reinvigorated the series. But it's still, it's quite straightforward, but it, it'll it introduce you to the nonsense of Resident Evil uh, in a way yeah, I don't know. The best thing to do if you've never played them before is just don't play them. Just don't don't get into it. <laughs> just stay away. <laughs> it's a dangerous place. And which of the Miller Yovovich movies would you recommend people watch first? Uh the first one because she jumps off a wall and kicks a dog in the head that's in mid-air that's trying to savage her cuz it's a zombie dog. Um yeah. It's a, it's a classic.
0: There's so many of them. <laughs>
1: um we should move on because we're running out of time we should ask we should see what our readers said when i asked them a question
0: very little as it happens
2: what question did you ask them
1: we were talking about war groove before so i asked them if you had a special move to pull in combat what would it be the same question i asked you guys um Got a lot of people, I think, just saying, run away. Marvel's run away. Marvel's <laughs> run away. Uh, scream operatically at your opponent, says J J G, To make them fear you and run away. Can confirm this works in real life. Super Yauquin Galaxy also says, shout really loud. Give all enemies tinnitus.
0: Yep, makes sense. Armin I'm, I'm so sorry. Ibrissa Jeek, who was a uh, goat simulator. Um, dude. Anyway, he, he suggests second breakfast. That's a good one. Second breakfast, yep. Yeah.
1: Break for lunch, says Hambridge. Tickling, says Iggy. Tickling's good. Not according to Russell Brand, it's not. We don't care about him. Uh, Charles says checkmate, the instant victory. <laughs>
0: Does that does Charles think that's how chess works? First one to say He's like Mornington Crescent. First one to say checkmate wins. <laughs>
1: no, um, Charles is the is our. I know him, but uh, he's our listener who says chess for every every question that we ask on Facebook. Oh, we... <laughs> <laughs> um, checkmate this time, uh, Marcus Rahala says the panic attack. It doubles movement for a while, but you can only move away
0: from all units, even friendlies. <laughs> That's I like it. It's not a very good groove, but I am actually. I have to say, I'm a little bit heartbroken that the at the lack of groove in War Groove. I was. I thought there was going to be some sort of dancey, musicaly thing. Like it was going to have maybe a bit of. Oh, what's that awesome DS game where you had to tap the circles in time with the music?
2: o, o- Endin, or um, Elite Beat Agents? Yes, yeah, so
0: what were you going to say, the proper version?
2: Uh, o Endin is the Japanese yeah. name of it. I oh think, my
0: goodness, yeah. has there ever been a more awful... Uh, tra- the the, the o- is amazing, and then Elite Beat Agents was absolutely wretchedly terrible. It was very strange. It was not good to be played in English. It was much better at Japanese, turns out. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> Which makes me sound like everyone else on the internet, but I'm not that person. <laughs> um,
2: we a John. That's what we call you
0: in the office. Is that that's right? Gosh, I realized I was falling into that persona. But no, genuinely, it was. The uh, agents was awful. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was going to have something to do with that. There was going to be some sort of uh, groove based element. I was really excited about, and then I was a bit disappointed to find out that groove means nothing of the sort. It just means that they have special powers. I feel like maybe they came up with the name.
1: Uh, yeah. And they yeah. thought, this is a brilliant, funny name, and then they did the game, and the people who came up with the name and the people who came up with the game met each other, and they said, what the hell?
0: <laughs> uh, that's how it works, isn't it? That's how. You There's a man who made. walks into a studio and goes, your game name is... <coughs> and then it opens up
1: the envelope. I'm sorry, listeners, for showing you how the sausage gets made, <laughs> but this is how it works. Uh, let's Let's go, okay, because... Uh, I'm done here, and Whoa. so are you both. Um, thank you both for coming on, um, especially Graham, who we never see. No, it's, I'm I am invisible.
0: He's in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Just
1: we call him Graham Meeting Smith. <laughs> This is a meeting. I'm in a meeting right now with you guys. That's what I said to John. That's how I tricked you to come on. I said, <laughs> "I've told him it's a meeting." <laughs> and by the time, by the time he listens to what we're talking about, it'll be too late.
0: <laughs> any any further business?
1: Uh, so yeah, any further business? No, nothing here. As long as
0: you've been keeping minutes. Will you be fine. circulating those minutes to us all via email?
1: Yes, please CC me into those minutes.
0: Yeah. I think we've achieved a good deal of synergy this afternoon.
1: If you want to contribute your own minutes to the RPS podcast or suggest what we should spend our minutes discussing, <laughs> uh, you can do that by emailing podcast at Uh You can, oh, good news, you can listen to this on Spotify, and if all goes well, hopefully YouTube as well, um, but we'll see. You can leave us a little review on iTunes and all that other guff, and that would be nice. And
0: yeah, that's... I've got a dare for our listener. Oh, go on. The next time our listener's in a meeting with people they've not met before, at the end, I dare them to say, "Um, will anyone be circulating the minutes for this meeting? (laughs) And then refuse to back down. The minutes. Just take it. Take the stairs. Okay.
1: Anyway, that's all the minutes we have. Uh, we're going to go now Um, thank you once again to John bye and thank you to Graham
2: bye 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 Yes.